Today's vintage lysmithing. Two years ago, I did a Facebook Live on Father Chad Ripperger's Four Stages of Courtship. And I thought I would upload it today for you guys to hear. When I listened to it, I realized that I had so much energy back then. I was excited. I was in courtship with my present husband. Everything was so exciting and you can hear it in my voice. And I realized I have to bring back some of that excitement that I had before. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy. God bless. Welcome to Lifesmithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. I know a lot of you are courting or dating, and I am myself, I'm courting, so I have some personal experience to bring to this. So this talk is on the four stages of courtship. Someone had asked me yesterday to talk about um, the goals in courtship, and I think he meant by that, you know, the milestones. So this, is, this will all be incorporated into this talk. Four stages of courtship, and again, excuse my sultry horse voice. <laughs> I don't know why I'm horse, but anyway. Okay, so um, first I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, my courtship. Joe is courting me. You, you guys who are on my personal Facebook, you know, you know all this. <laughs> and you also all knew that I, for a long time, not a long time, but there was a time that I was, you know, I, I wanted, I was searching for holy um, courtship, so I, I thank God for that. That I did find that. So, um, in terms of the um, four stages of courtship, I feel that it helped Joe and I to really hone in and focus in on what was important and how we should structure our courtship. Of course, we already knew that we were not going to be involved in premarital sex and stuff like that. But I feel that just by listening to that video, it helped to uh, underline the role of the man in the courtship, the role of the woman in the courtship, and how to keep it really chaste which is very, very important. Four Stages of Courtship by Father Chad Ripperger. Father Chad Ripperger is a very holy priest. I think he used to be part of the fraternity of St. Peter, and then he developed his, his whole, um, like an exorcism order, et cetera, et cetera. But he does some wonderful missions and wonderful talks. So let's start with the first stage. First stage is friendship. So let's look at the definition of friendship. Friendship is mutual love in which the two people are not seeking after romantic love. They're not seeking after romantic love at all. And romantic love is the type of love that has behaviors that are ordered towards physical union. Okay, that's romantic love. You know, when you start really courting someone and, you know, maybe there may be some affection, you know that you're headed towards eventually marriage. That's romantic love. So during this friendship phase, you're just friends. That's it. So what are you doing during this friendship phase? In this friendship phase, can last from three to six months or less, depending, right? Depending. How many of you, by the way, are um, in a friendship phase with anybody? I'll tell you more about the friendship phase. So um, during the friendship phase, this is the virtue you're looking to discover. By the way, in each phase, there's a virtue that you're looking for. In this phase, what you're doing is you're actually seeking to determine whether the person has enough virtue to go on to the next phase, which is a courtship phase. Do they have enough virtue? Are they kind? Uh, do they love God? You know, um, let's see. During this time, you may also, you know, decide, and it's perfectly okay, are you physically attracted to that person? It's not the most important thing, but you should ask yourself, are you physically attracted to the person? You can also ask, do you have enough in common? For example, if you're um, the type of person that's really loud and the person's really quiet and you know they hate people who are loud, 
okay? You know they're not going to be okay with you being loud, and you know you don't want to, you know, stifle yourself because of that person. Maybe that's not the person that's for you. So this is when you make those decisions, right? So they say that even though physical attraction and chemistry is important, it's not the most important. And Father Ripper Girl, what he says is that if, and speaking to men, he said, if you marry a woman who is not beautiful, but has a lot of virtue, you will be happy in your marriage for the rest of your life. However, if you marry a woman who is beautiful and doesn't have virtue, you'll be miserable for the rest of your life. So that's, that's how you have to balance it out, right? During this friendship phase also, the woman, what she should be looking at also is, can he assume the obligations of marriage? In other words, what that comes down to is, does he have good finances? Enough finances to at least take care of a family because, you know, for a lot of traditional Catholics, when they marry, they eventually, when they have kids, they stay home. So is he able to take care of his manly obligations? Friendship phase is very important because at that time, you don't have the distraction of all that physical attraction stuff at this point. So you're really able to see with a clear head, you know, and also during the friendship phase, you're not exclusive. So all that helps you to see things with a very clear head. Okay, so then once you decide the person has enough virtue to move on to the next phase, you move on to the courtship phase. And the courtship phase is the phase where you first start being exclusive, right? When you're courting, you should not be courting more than one person, okay? During the friendship phase, you can, you know, be friends with whatever amount of people you want. And people shouldn't get jealous, by the way, <laughs> during the friendship phase. Just because you see a young man showing you attention, and then the next week he's showing somebody else, you can't get jealous because you're just friends, right? You're not courting. But during the courtship phase, you are exclusive with each other. Now, what you're looking for in, a, in the courtship phase, you're looking again for sufficient virtue, but before you begin to court, and this is for younger people, obviously, you go to the father, if the father is alive, and you ask for permission to court the daughter. At this point, you know, the father can say yes or no. In, in this day and age, his father, Ripperger says, obviously, you know, most fathers don't say no, and most daughters wouldn't listen anyway <laughs> if they said no. But that's the traditional way to do it if you're of that age. If you're older, obviously, you're not going to your parents, you know. People will look at you like you're crazy, right? <laughs> so, okay, so that's the first thing, right? During this phase, there could be no signs of affection. Now, this is hard. This is a hard saying, isn't it? No signs of affection during courtship, right? And I'm going to tell you why later. But anyway, what you're trying to discover during this phase is, so two virtues. This is what you're looking for. The woman is looking for... Can he sacrifice for me? Can he deny himself for me? And the way they see that a lot of times is the fact, can the man not show physical affection? Can he deny that? You know, what are the signs does he do that shows that he can love me? The woman is looking for love. Does he have the ability to love me? You know, the, or does he love me in, in terms of, does he care enough about me to care for my well-being? Can he hold himself back? And what the man is looking for, according to Father Ripperger, is will she submit to me after we're married? Can she be submissive? Does she desire to be submissive? And there's a lot of ways to test that, right? But does she express that she desires to be in a rightly ordered relationship? Because sometimes you might be in a relationship where, um, you know, the guy will say, hey, do you think, you know, do you believe in that the, the man is the spiritual head of the house? The girl's like, yeah, yeah, sure, because the girl likes him. But... Through little signs, you see that's not really true. So does that person have a desire and, and do they want to be in that type of relationship? That's what the man is looking for and the woman is looking for. Can he sacrifice for me? Can he self-deny himself for me? So now I'm going to tell you why physical affection is not recommended. And I should also say that this phase, courtship phase, can last three to six months or less. You know, generally it could be three to six, but it could be less, depending. Now they said the nature of affection, whether you're kissing, hand-holding, whatever, does make you bond 
Pam says that she loved him enough to be submissive. So at that point, you probably don't love the person enough to be submissive because you're beginning to court, right? But the question is, do you desire that? Do you have the ability in you? Because for some people, you may not have that ability. Like for myself, I've been so much of a, a go-getter <laughs> type A person, you know, that I, this is something that I'm learning to be better at because I'm so used to taking care of myself and just me and my kids. Um, you know, that I, you know, during my first marriage, I, I desired to submit because I was evangelical, but then my marriage was so horrible, I kind of just took the reins after a while. I have that desire, because I talk about it all the time, that I have that desire to be this time in a rightly ordered marriage. It's obvious to him that I have that desire, but sometimes it's not clear, right? Is it the goal? Is it the goal? Do you want to do that? Doesn't mean you have to submit now to your boyfriend, obviously, but you know, but is it the goal? Is that where you want to be? Right? So when you start with the affection, brain releases certain chemicals. So what happens is you can't be detached. And during courtship, you need to be detached, according to Father Ripperger, because you need to be able to discern if you should marry that person. Once you start all that hugging, kissing and stuff, all those hormones start, that you feel like, ooh, I'm in love and stuff like that. It's very hard to discern, to look at it with a clinical eye and see if this is a person that you should actually marry. And what Father Ripperger says, especially for the man, if you engage in physical affection, it's a sin against justice towards the woman because women are the ones that tend to bond even more. Once they start getting physical, they tend to bond. You have made no guarantees to this woman. None. You don't, you didn't say you're going to be around. You're just, you're just seeing, right? So if you start getting all that physical attraction and then things don't work out, then she, you hurt her. You know, you hurt her. So it's your role as a man to protect her virtue and her honor. That's part of self-denial. Can you self-deny? Can you stop yourself from doing that so that you can, you know, help to protect her virtue, right? So remember, it's, it's a sin against justice because there's a chance you might make her suffer if things don't work out. You will make her suffer because she'll be attached. Now, I know this is a hard saying. I know that, obviously, boyfriend and girlfriend been so ingrained in this culture what you're supposed to do when you're dating and, and that involves physical affection it's kind of weird even alien to think that you could be courting and not have any type of physical affection and by the way i know i said a couple of times physical attraction when i actually meant physical affection i mean physical affection so no physical attraction you have to protect her virtue and during this phase, you also have to help each other to, um, to foster virtue. So during this phase, you're going to discover the things that they need help with. And that's where, that's where fraternal correction comes in. Pam says, I'm thinking it, it is harder for the young adults. Is this true? Do you feel it is easier to avoid physical contact as a mature adult? Okay, I'm going to speak for myself. You know, I keep it real. Do you guys like that I keep it real? I'm going to keep it real as much as I can <laughs> while maintaining my virtue. <laughs> All right. Um. Is it harder for young adults? Um, it depends. If you're a young adult that was homeschooled and you were uh, sheltered and you know you don't know any of these things, then it might be easy for you because it's like you're so sheltered and you already know what you're not supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do, right? If you're a young adult, I mean, what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. If you're an adult that grew up in a, not sheltered, that's same in the public school system where you, you have access to all sorts of things or you watch programs and stuff like that, it might be hard for you because most of your friends that are not Catholic are going to be doing these things. And so that's going to be hard for you, right? So it depends on your background and what you were exposed to. If you're a young adult that was already sexually active, it's going to be very difficult for you, right? You really have to deny yourself. If you haven't been exposed to any of that stuff before, it's going to be easier for you. But if you haven't been exposed, it's going to be harder. Now, as, as an older adult, since we're um, 
you know, Joe and I were older, we both were uh, married before. It's not that easy because you already know what it is. How can I put this? You already know what's possible. You already know what sex is like, right? So, and, and, and not only that, if you were um, single and celibate for a while, it's something that you have to battle in your mind. You know, if you were used to being with someone, right? You have to battle in your mind. So now when you're actually in a relationship, you really have to be, um, your mind has to really be focused and you have to battle it and to um, set certain safeguards in place because it might be a temptation for you because you've already been there. Understand? <laughs> Pam said that she was sheltered. So, right, it wasn't a problem to you because you were sheltered. So you understand what I'm saying about if you've already been married or if you've been involved in sexual relations before? Rewiring your brain. You do realize that when you need to change what you think, your brain actually has to rewire itself. You have to form a new neurons that make new connections. And the more you reinforce that, the easier it is to change your belief. But understand what I'm saying, guys? When you're older and you've had sexual experience before, you have to rewire your brain. And the way that you do that is every time you come with a new belief, you know, your brain makes a new connection. Your neurons connect. And then what you do is the more that you reinforce that by spiritual reading, by talking about it, by listening to sermons, forming new connections, so that after a while, your brain starts to understand that, hey, this is the way to have a relationship. Become stronger in time. But in the beginning, it may not be that easy. And that's why you got to keep praying and, and read and stuff like that. Okay? So we keep it real here, right? We're not going to pretend that everything, because I've seen in certain groups, people say, I don't understand. You're courting. What, what kind of physical things did you be doing during courting? That's someone who's sheltered. Because if you're not sheltered, you would know that there is something called sexual temptation. And by the way, it's sexual temptations for men and women. And you would know that if you have any kind of sexual experience, it's not so easy. You just go like this. Okay, now I'm Catholic. And that's it. No, you know, it's a battle in your mind that you have to constantly, it's a spiritual battle. You have to constantly be saying prayers and stuff like that. Again, we keep it real here on Life Smithing with Cynthia. So that's, that's the answer to that question, Pam. <laughs> All right. So, um, like I said, the main thing you're looking for during courtship, the woman, she's looking for love and she tests that by, can he deny himself? Can he sacrifice? And the man is looking for, can she submit? Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Life Smithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless. All right, so then... After doing all this, if you decide that there's sufficient virtue on both sides, you move on to the next stage, which is betrothal, right? Now, betrothal, you know, it's an ancient custom, and, and people are just starting to do it again. But basically, um, that's what you have. Betro because during betrothal, there's a right, there's, there's prayers that are said over you. This is you telling the world, yes, I intend to marry this person. And so you have a lot more responsibility. You're held to it. It's not just, um, you know, first you propose, you know, you propose by going to the, to the parent, if you're young, to the father, whoever, the parents. And if they say yes, you go on. If they say no, then you stop it. Yeah, right. We know that doesn't happen like that, but <laughs> you know, that's how it should be. Right. And then now you're going to become betrothed. After you become engaged, you can go to the, to the pastor and I encourage everyone to do a betrothal. I hope that I'll be able to do one if we get to that stage. <laughs> let's bring back tradition right so you go to the pastor it could be just you the pastor and then you maybe a witness or maybe not a witness there's different rights there's no there's nothing standard because we're just kind of bringing it back and you get betrothed right okay once you decide that you become betrothal now betrothal is interesting because during betrothal you know once you're betrothed you can begin to show signs of affection 
Pam says, my husband asked for my hand from my father. Oh, beautiful. You see, I mean, you were so traditional. You did everything right. You know, you did everything right. <laughs> I didn't do it like that during my first marriage. That's all I know. But, you know, anyway, uh, well, did I? No, we actually went to my parents and said, so we want to let you know we're getting married. That's what we did. <laughs> Um, all right, so you can show signs of affection, but you have to be very, very careful because now, during betrothal, you're bound to marriage unless it's a grave cause. Now, this is where a lot of people fall into sin because they say to themselves, okay, well, now we're definitely going to get married. So it's okay if we do a little this, a little that. It's okay if we have sex because we're going to get married anyway, and then it's going to become moot. No, no, no. This is a time that you have to be on your guard because the enemy will be telling you, it's okay, you're gonna be married, you have the engagement ring, you already reserved the hall, you already invested all this money, it's not gonna break up. This is when you have to be very careful because you wanna make sure you have a holy marriage and in order for you to make sure that your marriage doesn't have issues with chastity, you have to make sure that during your courtship and betrothal that you also learn how to be chaste because you have to be chaste in marriage too, right? Correct, guys? Okay, so you can have show some signs of affection but it has to be moderated, right? moderated and as you know those of you who know father ripper girl you know he's he's against um open mouth kissing so i'm not going to tell you guys whether to open mouth kiss or not but just so you know he is against that <laughs> because at least arousal and stuff like that you guys decide listen to yourself if you open mouth kiss and you know what's gonna happen so you make that decision during this phase he has to take on a more obligation to protect and help her grow in virtue so you might have, you know, hand holding, but you got to be careful because now it has to be moderated. So during this, the woman is still looking to see, can he self-deny? In fact, they're both. Can you self-deny? It's, it's harder to, to deny yourself in terms of physical affection when there's some. It's easier when there's none. None whatsoever. That goes back to what you were asking, Pam. It's easier when there's none. But if you have to actually, you have some, now you have to moderate yourself and that's harder. Laura said, just against it in courting, right? Not marriage. Oh, you mean like in terms of the kissing? Uh, I believe Father Ripperger only talks about that um, French kissing is wrong during courting. I know there are some people who say, very few, but there are a small minority who say French kissing during marriage is wrong too, but that's, I think that's a little off. But anyway, but I, I'm pretty sure Father Ripperger, Laura, is only speaking about during courtship. Guys, so basically when you're engaged, it might be harder because before you were not touching each other at all, but now you will be. Pam says, to ask the father for a beautiful and respectful way to ask a woman's hand. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to go to father and, and ask. Even though, like Father Ripperger says, most people, if the person said no, they're not going to listen anyway. And most parents would not say no because they know that their kids are going to be so angry with them that, you know, they're not. Okay. So during this time, I didn't mention this before, when you're courting, try to limit the time you spend alone. During engagement and betrothal, also limit the time that you spend alone as much as you can. You're going to have to spend time alone doing things, planning for the marriage, but just try to limit the couch smooching time. Okay, um, so again, you're, looking for, you're still looking for virtue and you're helping each other to grow in virtue. You know, no one is perfect, so you're helping each other with paternal correction. During this time is when the woman can begin to show signs of submission to her fiance in terms of spiritual submission. For example, Father Ripperger says you can start praying together. She can start looking to him to lead in certain things, you understand? So these little small signs start happening because you know this is going to be your husband. So maybe, you know, when you ask for his opinion about something or you might, you know, um, voluntarily involve him in some of your decisions just to kind of get used to the idea of 
when you're married that he's going to be the spiritual head and stuff like that. That's when you start really doing that. Um, so you, you should try not to be alone, even if you know you're not going to do anything, because um, scandal. If other people are watching, you don't want, as a man, you don't want your woman to have a bad name. You have to protect her virtue. So you may opt not to be alone, even though you know you would not break the sixth or ninth commandments. But because you want to protect her virtue, you might try not to be alone either. Okay, so the principal thing you're looking for is, the woman is looking for, can he moderate himself in relationship to me and vice versa, right? Can he do this? Does he have sufficient virtue in a moderated, you know, physical attraction? Can he hold himself back? Because if you can't do that while you're betrothed, you won't do it when you're married either. You know you have to be chased in marriage also. So if you can't be chased during betrothal courtship, guess what happens? When you're married, you're going to have... You know, things come up, you're going to have requests made of you that you know you're not supposed to be doing. And, you know, that could lead to all kinds of, of things, porn, all kinds of stuff. If you don't cultivate that chastity while you're actually dating. During betrothal and courtship, you learn to love the person's virtue, not their self. Michael says, Mrs. Cynthia, are you married? Have you got children? Oh, yes. Um, I was married. I got divorced and my ex-husband, he died. So I'm free to court and marry. I do have children. I have three children. Okay. And they're, they're grown. I know I look like I'm 12. Yeah, right. Anyway, but they're grown. <laughs> you learn during courtship and the betrothal to love each other's virtue. Not your looks, not your sexiness, not that cute way you have the same things, not your charm. You learn to love the person because of their virtue, which is important because when you get married, you're going to have to love the person for their virtue because guess what? People change. Through marriage, people put on weight, people um, get sick. Sometimes people get sick and lose all their looks. You have to learn virtue. That's how, that's how you see couples that stay together forever. They love each other for their virtue, for their insides, for being a good person. The good looks is a nice thing, of course. During courtship and betrothal, you learn this, to discover each other's virtue and love each other for the virtue. All right? Uh, and that makes a lasting marriage. Now, if you follow all these steps, then you're going to have a wonderful, holy marriage. Now, how many of you think that this is hard? It's not easy, is it? It's not easy when you live in a culture and then the culture tells you as soon as you're dating, you're supposed to be kissing and doing other things, you know, like that. And it's not easy denying yourself. You want to get what you want, right? I want this, I want that. It's not easy to deny yourself during a relationship. There are a lot of women out there, and you guys, um, your children at least might have friends who they're in sexual relations with their boyfriends and it's almost like they have to audition after they've been having sex with a person for a while to prove that they're worthy of being a wife. This is what's going on out there. So we want to be the example and we want to bring it back. We want to bring tradition back. We want to bring the proper way of courting back because I really believe it, it will affect the success of your marriage, right? Okay, I think that's it, guys. I don't see any questions. Oh, here's a question about long distance relationships. So Father Ripperger says that he doesn't agree with long distance relationships. Okay. That's his opinion. Generally, generally speaking, but you know, honestly, in this day and age, a lot of us are meeting long distance. In my opinion, the most important thing when it's, when you're dealing with long distance relationships in terms of this process, you have to spend time together. You can't be, I know some people are like in Europe and another one is in I don't know, Africa, and it's like you barely see each other, you see each other after six months. That's when that gets mixed up because it's almost like you're stuck in a friendship phase because you're not around each other enough to, to really uh, go through the proper stages, right? So I would say for myself, uh, we made it a priority, Joe and I, to see each other fairly regularly. And I say fairly regularly, every four to six weeks about, you know, and in fact, in January, we're going to see each other twice. Ah, 
anyway so that we can get to spend time with each other get to see each other in different environments and get to know each other so I say a long distance can work because a lot of people meet these days through long distance relationships okay I feel like if you're in a long distance relationship you have to have enough time when you know when the person visits they got to be able to spend at least you know three four five days let's say three four days with you I'm not saying every second but at least you see each other every day during that time so that you can kind of mimic you know what it would be like if you seen each other once a week even when you're local you shouldn't be on top of each other to see each other every day you know that's too much as well right but if you if you see each other once a week when you're local Laura says I met my husband online I was living in the Poconos at the time he lived in Colorado it was easier to keep chase because we didn't have opportunities well this is true that is a benefit of one distance relationship the problem is when you're long distance you have this constant longing to be with each other so therefore when you do get together you really have to be on guard because you're missing all that time that you could have been spending with the person and now you're together and it's like oh this is our time to show affection this is our time because i'm not going to see him for another four weeks that's the danger okay so it could go both ways all right so like i said in my opinion long distance is fine and a lot of people meet each other long distance but you do have to have frequent visits i know people who are talking they're stuck in the friendship phase for like six months why you're wasting your time because if the reality is the women that are stuck in those friendship phases you know how women are supposedly in a friendship phase but you're bonding to that person because a lot of them are very auditory when they hear stuff nice sweet stuff from their guy it makes them bond too you're in a so-called friendship phase but it's not really friendship because you're really courting online for six months without seeing each other that's a no-no that's you're wasting your time because what happens you're bonding especially as a woman and then by the time you meet and you're going to the the real friendship phase and the question phase you're not able to make a clear decision because You've already bonded to that person by just listening to them tell you sweet nothings over the phone. So I don't believe in, in spending a lot of time when you're long distance and not seeing each other. If you're able, as long as you're able, you need to meet the person at least fairly quickly within the first three months. You got to meet the person, I would say as soon as you can first. And then you, you know, you continue from there, you do the best that you can, but you can't spend time wasting your time talking to someone for years. That's just ridiculous. You know, I, and I've seen this happen. It's just not good okay it's never good to be in any of these phases for too long all right and i think that's it for today thank you guys for listening and i'm going to link to the original talk which i've linked to many times because i think it's that important meet marry and multiply if you are called to marriage if you are able to have children do it unless you decide you're going to be a religious all right you're going to either be a religious you're going to be a priest or you're going to be you know nowadays as consecrated virgins you know you're gonna do that that's fine but if you know that's not what you're called for don't waste your time get married pray about someone find a way to meet somebody that you can live the life with raising you know children if God blesses you with children and this is how we change the world by having lots of kids and our little Catholics that's how we change the world Saint Ignatius of Loyola says he who goes about to reform the world must begin with himself or he loses his labor. Until we decide to reform ourselves, we cannot hope to have any influence on our families, our culture, our politics, our world.